Hello, this is your host, George Muniz Gunn. Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. Um, today, I'm going to talk about the issues with ABA therapy, also known as Applied Behavioral Analysis. So, <clears throat> I'm going to start with a little bit of history. ABA therapy was created in 1965 by Evar Lovas. Uh, Lovas, I think, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name, but he was a professor at UCLA and he developed this therapy with autistic children in mind. And the the, the thing is, he considered, because he was neurotypical, he was not autistic, he considered the behaviors of these children as problematic. Now, when you, and this is, I'm going to talk about this in this episode, but I'm, when you break it down, really, like, autistic communication isn't problematic. It's just the different way of communicating it's a different way of experiencing the world i mean there are some instances w which i will cover where autistics may engage in self-harm or harm others but that is because they're overwhelmed and overloaded by the environment around them so rather than just point them out for oh they're doing this bad behavior and it's just as if it were just a matter of behavior we need to acknowledge there's a sensory trigger, there's something behind it, emotional, whatever it may be. Anyways, he viewed um, the behavior of these children as problematic. And, and some of this um, so-called problematic or inappropriate or whatever you want to call it, behavior that he talked about and that he developed this therapy for was uh, what we call stimming. Um, so stimming is basically, uh, stimming is like when, when you do a certain kind of like a repetitive behavior, like, um, you know, rubbing your fingers or fidgeting or, you know, something like that. It's something we usually do when we're in sensory overload and um, we're just a little too stimulated and sensory wise and we need to kind of calm ourselves down a little bit. Um, and so, or if we're, you know, nervous about something or we're just in kind of an emotional situation, we're dealing with a lot of emotions and we need to kind of, you know, uh, soothe that and soothe our brain in a way. Um, and so there's really nothing wrong with that when you, when you break it down, but you know, he saw um, autistic children stimming and he considered it problematic. And so, you know, he used the pathological term, which is self-repetitive behaviors. Um, and he, you know, characterized this as like a concerning problem, a concerning behavioral problem when it really shouldn't be considered. And, um... Here's the main problem with with, consider, with considering stimming a problem is stimming a lot of times, and, and of course, um, in many cases, he was referring to hard stimming, um, which is 
that is the one exception. That is where stimming, that is a an extreme form of stimming that can be problematic because the person can engage in self-harm um, or potentially harm others, but this is usually um, self-harm, like biting themselves or, you know, anything like banging themselves in the head, anything like that. But what people have to understand is when autistic children are doing these things, they're not doing them just because. It isn't just a matter of, oh, they wanted to do that. They wanted to have to, to you know, to just do that. They're trying to communicate that they're in sensory or emotional overload. Maybe, you know, there's something that is making them uncomfortable. A lot of autistic people have SPD, sensory processing disorder. And so if there's a really, um, if there are really bright lights, a really loud sound, uh, even a really intense smell um, that the person or the child in this case might not like, um, might be overwhelmed by, um, they will enter sensory overload. And when you're in sensory overload and you, you the trigger is not removed and essentially your needs are not being met, um, you can go into a meltdown situation um, or uh, you will engage in a lot of stimming and it can be hard stimming if your needs continue to be unmet. And so, you know, Instead of addressing the actual fire in this situation, which is the sensory overload that that the child is experiencing, which is causing the alarm, we need to understand the stimming um, behavior in this case is the alarm. Um, saying, hey, there's a fire, there's a sensory overload, which is a fire. And what Lovas was doing was con completely ignoring the fact the fire just just acting as if the alarm were just going off for no reason and it's not going off for no reason so he would just put all this emphasis on silencing the alarm on prohibiting kids from stimming but if you're prohibiting the child from stimming um it is they're going to feel worse because the stimming is what's like in, in some way relieving them, but until a point that it becomes dangerous, until a point it, where it becomes self-harming, and it's, it's gotten to the point that it's become self-harming because the sensory overload trigger or the emotional trigger or whatever it is has not been removed and the needs are not being met. And so the behavior is happening. And so... Um, if there were more emphasis on making sure the environment is not an environment where the child is becoming overwhelmed and then proceeding to engage in these behaviors, then you wouldn't really have these behaviors and, and then, you know, you wouldn't have the, the self-harming behaviors. Now, I want to make it very clear that stimming, there's nothing wrong with stimming when it's to the point that it's not harming yourself or anyone else. When it's to the point where the person is harming themselves or anyone else, then it needs to be um, redirected. There, either um, other less harm, 
less harmful forms of stimming, um, ideally, or, you know, another activity if the person is interested in engaging in another activity, but you have to remember it's okay to stim. If the person wants to stim, they should be able to stim. You should just provide, ideally, provide alternative stims for this person. Anyways, um, so another issue with ABA therapy is um, it would consider neurodivergent communication or autistic communication styles as disordered rather than honoring that they're just different. It's just a different way. It's different ways of communicating. It's a different neurology. It's not disordered or wrong. And so the whole emphasis around ABA therapy is um, basically teaching neuronormative, neurotypical communication standards to autistic people and or autistic children in most cases um you know with talking aba therapy specifically um and that can be really damaging because it forces the 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 child to behave in a way that's not aligned with their neurology so basically what it forces them to do is to mask and i talked extensively about masking and what that is in episode six but just to give a brief rundown um it's basically what autistic people do because they feel like they have to do this and these therapies specifically teach them and condition them to basically camouflage their traits hide their autistic selves hide their autistic traits and personality um in order to make people more comfortable essentially um because people get uncomfortable when we behave in autistic ways and um we get ostracized it's not it's like we get treated poorly and we get traumatized from that but people also get really uncomfortable so it is a very um this is just one of the reasons that um, ABA therapy and such is rooted in systemic ableism. It is a very ableist thought to, you know, to make autistics more neurotypical so people, so they can essentially make neurotypicals less uncomfortable. So it's a very ableist concept. Anyways, um, that's essentially what ABA teaches. And so this is why so many autistic adults that did ABA therapy as children um, have developed PTSD um, because they are literally traumatized from having to suppress their stims, having to deal with sensory overload and be ignored and essentially being taught that they weren't allowed to be themselves and being forced to mask and having long-term psychological depression and burnout resulting from all that masking and um as i wrap up this episode i just wanted to highlight that aba therapy is still con unfortunately considered the gold standard of therapy of autism so-called autism therapies um out there right now and as a matter of fact it is 
the only therapy that a lot of insurance companies will cover. Therefore, it is the only kind of therapy that is available and accessible to a lot of families with autistic children. And that is a tragedy because it is essentially telling these children that they cannot be themselves and it's teaching them the mask and it's, you know, making them feel terrible and having long-term mental health impacts and and it's not good and it needs to change and this is why we need as much allyship as we can get from neurotypicals so if you and and autistics too but especially neurotypicals because you know this the world doesn't really listen to autistic people the world listens to neurotypicals so we need my dear neurotypicals, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with as many family members and friends as you can, uh, because that will really help us out, because we need allyship more than anything, because we need these, um, this message to get across to people, and, and the more people challenge it, and the more people that start providing um, more neurodiversity-affirming therapies, um, will slowly begin to challenge the concept of ABA. And, and there are a lot, and I will highlight this to finish my episode, there are a lot of ABA practitioners that do have more neurodiversity-affirming concepts and practices, and, and they do not abide by the strictly... Um, old-school ableist patterns but and I will say I will say ABA has changed it is not so much about uh, punishing the children for these uh, stimming like behaviors anymore but nowadays it's rewarding the children for not stimming so it's still pretty bad when you think about it and it in my opinion it um for those practitioners that do you know it's not even it's like i'm not even gonna gonna um get too back in into it too deep but what i'm trying to say here is that um it's not all, like, there are ABA practitioners that are more neurodiversity affirming, and I do want to honor that um, before signing off here. But we have to acknowledge that a lot of them are not, and the system is still very broken when it comes to autism support therapies. So um, I just want to put that out there, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it. If you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next time.